Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. Yo, what is going on, people? How we doing? Welcome to another episode of Causing the Effect. We know who I am. It's your man, Scott Cazzoli. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, to all the current, new people been listening to this for a year, thank you guys so much for the support. Um, I could feel this growing slowly and steadily. Um, see people in the gym. I got these kids Instagram. It's all cool, man. So thank you so much for the support. It really means a lot to me. Um... Don't got to do anything except just tell one friend about it. If you could tell two, I'd appreciate that even more. Um, we're doing good. Thank you to Dr. John Leaf for coming uh, for this week's episode. We put that out on Monday. What? Um, that was a scary one. What a genius guy, right? Yale, Harvard, uh, medical doctor, neuroscientist. Check that episode out. Very cool. Talking about um, the way cellular molecular uh, moves around. That was very interesting. Shout out to Dr. Scott coming on next week. The psychologist. Um, going to be another good episode launching on Monday. Um, this one. Been getting some requests to uh, just do a solo one. So I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe that means I'm a bad interviewer, but um, appreciate the emails asking for, you know, just kind of what I've been thinking about, what I've been reading. Maybe I'll do this more. Um, I know you kind of get so bogged down and so excited about people um, doing their thing with these interviews, but. Um, Thank you for thank you for the support, all that good stuff. Um, do want to jump right into this with kind of what we're talking about here, and I've been reading a lot of um, Carl Jung. Um, we're gonna start with where where I've been searching is um, just trying to really understand personality types, and you know the word extrovert introvert comes up very often. So a lot of the work I'm doing is going to be based off of C uh, C G Young, Carl Jung, as well as Isabel uh, Isabel. Briggs Myers, um, we're going to be talking about personality types today. So, you know, originally, Carl Jung applied the words, and for everybody who doesn't know, please, um, if you like this, Carl Jung knows much more than me, very sophisticated guy, um, grew up in Germany, Switzerland, um, spoke eight different languages, just a, a brilliant person. So I'm going to um, be doing more work on him. Um, let me know what you guys think, send, send an email, and we'll talk about it. But, um, you know, Carl Jung, when he applied the words extrovert, and introvert, they were in a much different manner than they are most often used in um, today's world, right? So as they're popularly used, uh, the term extroverted is understood to mean kind of sociable or outgoing well. The term introverted is understood to mean shy or withdrawn. Now, however, um, Mr. Young originally intended the words to have a totally different meaning. He used the words to really describe the preferred focus of one's energy on either the outer or the inner world. So extroverts orient their energy to the outer world, while introverts orient their energy to the um, inner world. And we're going to talk about Jung and, and um, Isabel Meyer's contributions to the field of psychology, their observations, introversion, extroversion, how they're both, um, you know, could you be one or the other? Yada, yada, yada. So, um, you know, we'll start at the, at the top here, right? What is extroversion? What is... Um, you know, introversion, right? We can understand extroversion as 
varying in extent on the scale, right? A person with a lower level of extroversion may be described as an introvert and vice versa. You know, introverts do feel, um, you know, more, more comfortable when they're socializing in small groups and, uh, you know, with people who they're familiar with, they could find, you know, find it demanding, um, for social gatherings. These can be draining. And just so you understand where I'm coming from, with both of these, um, and I want you to think about this because, you know, by understanding more about how this map works, it'll kind of point to you the, the blind spots. And for me, I'm having trouble. Um, well, that's why I'm digging into this because I, I feel like I'm both. And, you know, we call that ambivert, and there's certainly people who fit that bill, right? But um, let's just keep going. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, as a, as a result, introverts tend to have fewer friends, associates, but they're really going to uh, form those strong relationships with those people um, that they do have. So, you know, instead of seeking stimulation, by socializing, they receive it from looking within, which we just referred to that Carl Jung was kind of trying to focus on. Um, introverts content with their own company, tend to be quieter, a little more cerebral, and, you know, more reflective than extroverts. And I would say I kind of have I've been trying to really, like, figure out what I am because I really tend to like all the stuff the, um, you know, I tend to, to, to fall towards more introvert as I'm getting older, but um, people tend to fall somewhere between these two extremes, right? Um, you can look at like a continuum moment on a map. So, you know, it really, people will exhibit um, different kind of extroverted behaviors um, in different degrees of, of different kind of, um, of different situations, right? So, you know, Jung, Jung described how extroverts engage with the external stimuli. And he believed that, um, you know, like we just said, extroverts direct their energy out outwards towards other people and really gain energy from those encounters. Now, introverts are the other way. They're going to focus inwards. And that's really where, how you kind of dive up. So when, when you're thinking about this, which one do I feel better with? Think about which gives you more energy, right? Does giving thoughtful activities and more being in solitary give you more energy or is it the other way around? Um, now, Hans Eysenck was a German-born um, psychologist who spent much of his life studying um, in the University of London, and he developed a model of personality really focusing on both of these extroversion and neuroticism traits, which you will see are going to be part of this big five personality um, traits. Eysenck concluded that people's personalities could be understood using introversion extroversion, as well as emotionally stable neuroticism scales. Neuroticism will be another one that we... Um, that, that we end up, um, you know, kind of touching on when we get a little later here. Now, extroversion really remains an important measure of the way in which our personalities differ from one another. These are, you know, we'll just go through the big four here. It's going to be extroversion, openness, conscientiousness, agreeableness, neuroticism. Extroversion is considered one of these big five traits. And these traits are often used to provide broad measures of really your personality, right? So what causes a person to be... Um, extrovert, right? What are some factors that can cause you to be extroverted? Sometimes close relatives, if you're raised in the same environment by the same parents, could be extroverted. But at the same time, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen brothers and sisters raised the same, they end up being an introvert. So what's the answer? You know, it's a little bit of both. So biological factors do play a significant role in determining our personality traits. Uh, In a 1956 twin study, he actually found a stronger correlation between extroversion amongst identical than fraternal twins, suggesting that there is a hereditary influence on this personality trait. Um, He did later claim that low levels of cortisol arousal in the extroverts lead them to seek stimulation from their environment on the outside, while introverts 
um, increase their cortical arousal reduces their need to engage with external stimuli. So actually introverts have the exact opposite feeling. Um, if you're, if you're somebody who is, you know, an extrovert, see, this is, it's tough for me because I like both. I feel like I get stimuli from both. Now, a recent study has provided uh, further support for the idea that biological factors influence this kind of extroversion. The paper uh, published, what's what's my notes here? It's Social, Cognitive, and Effective Neuroscience. This was in U.S., Italy. They studied um, MRI scans. Um, they found a series of correlations between participants' uh, five-factor personality traits and brain structure. So specifically, the research revealed the cortical thickness amongst extroverts in the precumulus region of the brain. Differences in the brain structure were found in, um, in that part of the, of the brain for extroverts compared to um, introverts. Now, research also suggests that the environmental factors could play a role in the personality development. There was a study done by Eric Knopfel and Philip Shaver in 2006 found that the mother-child relationship does affect the extroversion levels the highest out of any other relationship in your life. So what they did was they investigated the attachment style, the type of relationship formed between mother and child. Um, You know, and they reported that children who formed a secure attachment with the parent did exhibit higher levels of extroversion than those who's formed uh, with other types of attachment, let's say. Uh, Another study focused on um, child-rearing styles and later interactions between parents and their children. Um, You know, this was done, uh, research in Osaka, Japan, found that children of protective parents did tend to exhibit lower levels of uh, extroversion, for instance. Uh, The other big factor here was... um, Siegelman in 1966, he did um, check parental discipline. So reports uh, that sons who were punished by their parents would exhibit more introverted behavior than those who were less severely disciplined. This is the fun part of it, right? It's like, oh, this this fits me. This fits me. Like, you know, my mother's a freaking one of the most extroverted people. And that's definitely where I get from both of my parents, actually. They're both fucking shot. Um, now, to, to to bring it fully around here, the that kind of peace between, um, you know, happiness, right? Does being um, an extrovert make you happy because they do seem to be happier, right? Maybe that's what you just know. I'll tell you. You know, studies have long supported a link between extroversion and uh, subjective well-being. So extroverts gain pleasure from the attention and stimulation of social interactions with their friends, families, colleagues. Furthermore, um, you know, extroverts do have this enthusiasm for social activities and their engagement with their environment. Um has been found um, to lead them to actively seek out more of these kind of enjoyable experiences. However, increased opportunities to socialize appear not to be the only factor in their happiness, right? So um, links between extroversion and subjective well-being may lead lead people to uh, feel that their potential to achieve happiness has been predetermined by their personality type, but that's not necessarily true. So don't get that twisted, right? Researchers at Oxford suggested that the extroversion level simply affected the behavior that we use to find happiness, which is a tool. That's no way to look at it. So, you know, extroverts enjoy these social situations and therefore seek them out. Introverts find them uncomfortable and look for ways of solitude. It's that simple, right? Um, now, the this happiness piece, uh, Myers found a significant correlation um, between the extroversion and self-reported levels of happiness. So I think you're going to be extrovert in different situations. Um, you know, they do report, if you're an extrovert, you do report, um, higher levels of self-esteem. Um, they also found the participants in that study, this was 2002 by Fleason, um, 
participants that were instructed to act extroverted led to an increase in positive effect, even for those who describe themselves as introverted. And I could say, um, as a personal experience, I do think there is some truth to that, that, you know, just by, if you're going to take action, right, it's going to get you a little bit less out of your head, it's going to make you, if you're doing something healthy, it's definitely going to have more of a positive um, effect, let's say. Now, intelligence. Um, This was um, studies in 1998 found a positive association with introversion and levels of intelligence being successful in really academic environments. So um, coming back to Eisnick, um, he perceived extroversion to be a predictor of high grades at schools, but lower grades at the university level, which I thought was just interesting there. Um, But I do think that... that, um, you know, like, for example, right, when participants had to complete cognitive tests with music in the background, uh, extroverts performed best, although introverts performed better when there was no music, right? So it does depend on the environment, really. Um, that does play um, a really big factor in in that world, you know. So now let's get to the, the science of this, right? Like, like why? What is going on um, in the brain, right? What is that major difference between the brains of an introvert and a brain um, of an extrovert, right? One major difference between the brains of each is the way that each responds to the neurotransmitter dopamine. So dopamine, we know this, it's a chemical released in the brain that provides the motivation to seek external rewards like earning money, uh, social status, attracting a mate, getting selected for that high-profile job, right? So when dopamine floods the brain, both introverts and extroverts become more talkative, alert to the surroundings, motivated to take risks, explore the environment. So it's not that introverts have less dopamine present in the brains than, than extroverts do. Both introverts and extroverts have the same amount. That that's It's not that one's getting better than the other. The difference is in the activity of the dopamine reward network. It is more active in the brains of extroverts in the brains um, than in the brains of introverts. Very very simply. So that is how it works. So you know, getting um, getting the phone number of an attractive person or earning earning a promotion at work, extroverts become more energized than introverts. And this is where that extrovert part of me started coming out because I I do tend to do that. So there was a buzz, right? I I was getting this um, this buzz, enthusiastic rush of good feeling, right? That's the best way to to call it. And uh, I believe some introverts would say "Eh, overstimulation. That's that's not, it's not the truth. So um, now the, the introverts prefer to use a different neurotransmitter called alkathicholine. Now, I'm not going to embarrass myself again and try that, but like dopamine, um, alkathicholine is also linked to pleasure. The difference is this makes us feel good when we turn inward. So it powers our abilities to think deeply, reflect, focus intensely on just one thing for a long period of time. Focus, right? It's very interesting. Helps explain why introverts like the calmer environment, right? It's easier to turn inward when you're not attending um, external stimulation, right? There's also a difference in uh, the nervous system. Um, You know, that's another piece of this puzzle, right? And this comes from Dr. Marty Olson-Laney in her book, The Introvert Advantage, How to Thrive in an Extrovert World. Um, Alkathicholine is linked to the parasympathetic side of the nervous system, which is nicknamed the throttle down, that rest and digest stage. So when we engage, um, when we engage the parasympathetic side, our body consumes energy and we withdraw from the outer environment. Our muscles relax, 
energy is stored, food is metabolized, your pupils constrict to limit your incoming, like, excuse me, um, the heart rate and blood pressure lower. So basically what's going on is our body is really getting for hibernation, contemplation, introspection, call it whatever you want. So again, both introverts and extroverts use this, right? Um, it's just how the neurotransmitting emitters work here. So um, extroverts tend to favor the opposite side of that nervous system, the sympathetic side, known as going full throttle. And this is where I was really having trouble. If I had to pick what side I'm on, I don't know. I may be really down the middle, but that that I'm much more full throttle, right? So this this tends to to really mobilize me. People who could tend to take action, people who tend to become alert, hyper-focused, anxiety, maybe, <laughs> that's, um, you know, that's an interesting um, piece of it, and, um, you know, the other piece of it, do introverts dislike people? I always thought that, and I would say, I don't think it's that, it's just, given how an introverted brain works, it just wants less stimulation, socialization, and I think as I get older and I start to become more aware or start to perceive things a little differently and become, you know, wiser. I do, I could see myself just packing it up and never being bothered again. <laughs> but um, I did think it was interesting to discuss a little bit of this kind of personality theory, how it works. Um, so, you know, Young was one of the first people to define these terms, introvert, extrovert. So according to him in, uh, in 2010... Right, he based. He said there's four pairs of opposing types, um, and he claimed that these types are present in all of us. But one is more dominant than the other, meaning that that personality is on four dimensions. One's going to be um, extroversion and introversion, which we discussed. The other piece is sensing and intuition. The other one is thinking compared to feeling, and judging compared to perceiving. Right. So, um, you know the the extroverted sensing refers to gathering sensory experiences and factual data. Introverted sensing refers to storing factual historical data. Extroverted intuition um, refers to possibilities, patterns, meaning the objective world. Introverted uh, intuition refers to means, patterns, symbols, and insight in the subjective world. Um, extroverted thinking, application of logical order, structures, buildings, living in that outside world. Uh, introverted thinking, seeking understanding through logical principles in that world. Extroverted feeling refers to building and seeking harmony, alignment with others, openly expressing your values. Introverted feeling, um, seeking harmony and alignment of personal behavior with deeply felt values um, and evaluation of such phenomenal with that um, inspection. So these are different pieces of how you can kind of start to understand how you are. And I do think these kind of gauges of using these arch archetypal personality types do help us, um, you know, just uh, even Jung described extroverts as preferring to engage with the outside world of objects, your sensory perception. Introverts describe as being more focused on the internal world. Um, uh, you know, this is what put me on this kick here, was that Jung was, um, talks about his book, The Phenomenology of the Self. He really... Um, believed in a balance between extroversion and introversion. So that the best, uh, his his life's work, right, is called um, individuation, self-realization. That is the goal. And the best way to attain that is by having a mix of extroversion and introversion. I have been trying, I would say I lived my teens, 
as a as a kid, introverted probably more more than that. Twenties, out partying, extroverted. Now I'm kind of going backwards. So, you know, his theory does differ from modern perspectives of introversion, extroversion, um, which really just focus on the behavior associated with that. So really your sociability, your your assertiveness. But it's a good way to look at the. Um, it's really his theory is expressed through perspectives, right? Looking at how extroverts view the world, um, introverts view the world subjectively, extroverts view it objectively. Just understanding that, um, that I think that is very, very um, useful. Now to to fast forward, what Hans uh, Eisnick ended up doing was adding onto that and really um, giving you the full personality traits. Um, which you could type in the big five, right? Openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism. Um, you know, these are facets um, or behaviors associated with high and low levels of personality types, um, which, you know, you guys can Google that and just, you could go deep on it. There are these personality tests that um, will really get you more into detail of of, um, you know, who you are, what you are. And I think that will lead you to not so much, you know, you got to look at the blind spots. And that's the hardest part for our conscientiousness to do, right? It's to really see what we're missing because we've been kind of put in this system for a little bit. So by taking a look, taking a step back and saying, oh, well, I am this way. Well, what is the opposing type here? And then working on that, maybe it's a weakness of yours, right? I think uh, openness, um, technically it would be um, introverted, Openness is a problem for me, getting more in touch with my feelings, yada, yada, yada. But um, no, leave it there. Um, that this, this was fun, man. I may do more of these. Please let me know uh, what you think of the solo episode, particularly on the on the young stuff, because I would love to do a little more here. I am going to have, shout out to Sammy, Sam Led's coming on to do, um, do one with us, focused on Carl Young for about an hour. So this one will give you a little flavor. I highly suggest checking that one out um, if you're interested. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our official sponsors of the podcast. We got sponsors now, people. Look at that. Lift floats. I'm going to link it down below. Flotation therapy, sensory deprivation. Um, if you're not familiar with it, um, I highly recommend checking it out. I did an episode on um, the benefits of float therapy, the the, the physical benefits. Um, you know, basically like the pressure of the world is coming off my shoulders when I jump in my tank. So they put you in um, about 12 inches of water, pump 2,000 pounds of magnesium, Epsom salt. Um, it has been shown to relieve stress, high blood pressure, fatigue. Your joints are going to feel good. Your mind's going to feel good. Um, it's really uh, a great way for just the physical side of the body. And then, you know, the spiritual pieces, um, theta brainwaves, right? The ones that, um, you know, happen when you kind of drift towards sleep. That is what um, lift therapy, float therapy does. Lift floats in Brooklyn and Huntington. Thank you guys for sponsoring. Um, check them out. I'll link it below. Any questions too, reach out to them. Um, wonderful people there. Or just ask me. Tell them Scott sent you. They'll give you a good deal. Um, that's it, people. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for all the support coming up here on about two, almost two years of doing this. Um, we're just going to keep going here. Uh, that's it. Again, Smash the like button, leave a review, um, subscribe, all that bullshit. Um, biggest thing, just tell one person. Listen to this kid, Scott. I think he knows something. He's not a total bullshit artist. Um, we'll leave it at that, people. Thank you so much. As always, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.